Alright. And welcome to Better Yet. I'm Tim Crisp, your host. Better Yet is a conversation that started in 2016, and it's a conversation that continues this week with my guest, Pretty Maddie. Pretty Maddie of Pony, Pretty Maddie of the Too Much TV podcast, and Pretty Maddie of Pretty Maddie, brand new record, Heavenly Sweetheart, is out now on Self-Aware Records. Thank you for joining us. Thanks to all who are subscribing to the show on your podcast player of choice. I'd like to invite you to visit our website, betteryetpod.com, and check out our YouTube page, youtube.com slash at betteryetpod. How we doing today? I'm drinking that Dagger Mountain coffee. DaggerMountain.com. Follow them on Instagram at DaggerMTN Coffee, my favorite coffee roaster in the US of A, right here in Valparaiso, Indiana, the home of Better Yet since October of 2020. Been drinking the Caribe, a nice light roast from Costa Rica with notes of vanilla, coconut, and plum. Pick yourself up a bag at DaggerMountain.com. How we doing, Bubba's? We having a good summer? I saw Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Part 1 last week. Opening day. I didn't even wait till opening night. I was there at 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I love those freaking movies. I did a full series rewatch last week. And you know what? This one, this new Mission Impossible, might be my favorite one. I'm looking forward to Barbie and Oppenheimer like the rest of the world coming up this weekend. Except my sister is coming here to stay with us this weekend. I said, what do you think? Double feature? She said, no, to both of them. Do you believe this? The sacrifices I've made for this kid? We'll see it eventually. Don't worry. Speaking of the movies, I've started editing a great movie podcast called Across the Puniverse a podcast dedicated to examining the filmography of maverick auteur Albert Pune, hosted by Ray Gunn Bush and Luther Manhole of the band Chapile and Brian Manning of Bostonog. These guys are very funny. If you like to listen to homies talk about some really great B-movies, check out Across the Puniverse, wherever you get your podcasts. And hey, if you want me to edit your podcast, or if you want to reach out for interview inquiries, web development, or you just want to say, hey, hit me up at tim at betteryetpod.com or betteryetpodcast at gmail.com. This is a very busy stretch of time this summer here. My weekends are booked up for the next few weeks, so I'm going to put it out there. I might take a week off next week, depending trying to schedule some interviews around the activities I've planned. I'm going to SummerSlam in a couple weeks. So excited about that. We'll see how it all goes. Lots of exciting releases on the horizon from old friends of ours, past and future guests. Diner's got a new album coming out. Chris Farron, Speedy Ortiz, Rat Boys, Hurry, Slaughter Beach Dog, Jeff Rosenstock, My White Whale. Plenty of reasons to bring back old friends and a new one. Jeff, Jeff, we'd love to have you on, Jeff. All right, my guest this week is Pretty Maddie Morand, 
who we just spent quite a bit of time talking about when Sam Belansky of Pony was on the show. Maddie plays in Pony, and the two of them host my newest favorite podcast, Too Much TV. Maddie has put their time in in bands like No Hands and Lychee. Maddie also spent some time playing in Self-Defense Family. They released their first EP as Pretty Maddie in 2018 and since then have built a stellar catalog of power pop, pop punk leaning indie rock with driving guitars, hooks for days. These songs are catchy as hell. Very fun band, Pretty Maddie. And their new record, Heavenly Sweetheart, to me, their best record so far. I was so excited to have Maddie on and we get right into talking about our favorite podcast oh yeah dude and it goes from there thank you for listening to better yet don't forget to rate and subscribe we'll see you soon all right for now here's me and pretty maddie just gonna do this straight up cold open because i got so excited when i heard (laughs) that y'all are uid people and you especially oh yeah that's true oh my goodness i love that podcast so much they were they were like kind of my introduction to podcasts period like i have been a listener for probably like at least 10 years now at least um and i I guess i have two at this point it's wild to think my roommate was into it back when jonathan's uh cell phone number was just open Uh and i got into it a little (laughs) bit after that and then like went back and listened to the to catch a predator episodes and those were just like oh my god this is the greatest (laughs) thing that has ever been created it's it's so, like every individual episode is like so fun and funny to listen to and whatever. And like, I, I kind of just love like hanging out with them as a third party or whatever. Mm-hmm. But at this point, it feels like it's so interesting to be like so deep into their story. I know. And to be able to like look back on the lives of these two people that I don't <laughs> actually know, but I've probably like probably listened to them talk more than maybe more than like anyone in my life other than like sam yeah for real right you know (laughs) and you can like look back at pictures of them as like young men with brown hair (laughs) yeah right they started i love um you know they talk about being like three decade podcasters now yeah seth was in his early 30s when they started now he's in his 50s i love (laughs) so much yeah just like like just being brought into that world oh hell yeah that's so fucking and the sober and crazy that's beautiful yeah dude like i got sober when i was 27 and i think seth was just like my meeting like the equivalent of like my (laughs) aa meeting was like listening to seth explain like no i'm not gonna go anywhere because it's not gonna get better (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's true that's so real it's like even going to this wedding this week it's like everybody i tell about like i'm you know obviously i'm very happy to be going to my good Mm -hmm. friend's wedding that's Mm -hmm. wonderful but um 
everybody I talked to was like, oh, weddings are so fun. I'm like, listen, I'm married. I don't drink and I'm vegan. So like, uh, you know. I think the fact that they're vegan too is like one of the like most interesting details because they have like, I mean, they have like gone a lot. They've gotten pretty liberal, especially in the past few years. But like the veganism like stands out as like, where did this come from? And then you just listen to them talk and it's like, oh, because they're just insane people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. I love them. So you're coming to us, Pretty Maddie. Welcome to Better Yet. Coming to us from Windsor. That's right. Right. Where'd you grow up? I grew up right here. Well, oh my goodness, sh- just hometown. very slightly outside of here, but yeah, hometown. Uh huh. So you've always been like Detroit adjacent. Uh, I was Detroit adjacent till I was, you know, seventeen or whatever, and then I moved to Toronto for the first time. Mm-hmm. Lived there for a couple of years, and then I moved back from like twenty ten to twenty thirteen, I think, and then moved back to Toronto, and then moved to Montreal. And then moved to Toronto, and now <laughs> I'm back here again. And we've been back here for like three years or so. Yeah. Are your folks still around? Are you around yep. in Windsor? Yeah, they yeah. are. They are. What do they do? Uh, my dad is retired. Um, he's like a crazy old retired biker guy. Uh huh. Um, just lives with his little white dog with crusty shit in his eyes. <laughs> um, and uh, my mom works at a factory a factory that she's worked at forever uh started out on the line got her ged did some classes and now she works in the office oh nice good for her yeah yeah was there music in the house when you were growing up oh yeah always like um both of my parents are both like fans of music i would say like Mm -hmm. my dad was always a big like classic rock like hard rock guy he loves yeah. like god smack and metallica and stuff like that oh god smack so he was yeah, keeping he up with like god smack. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. he talks about Does god smack have tracks i they can't have there's no way <laughs> there's no way they have tracks. <laughs> i feel like that's it's too much in the vein of like all of the other stuff from that era where all of the guys are like weird uh like can't cancel culture obsessives yeah you know like there there's just a strain of guy that like guys the alimony paid between those bands the members of those bands gotta be out of control out of control it's it's divorced guy music yeah absolutely oh my Um, god i'm just thinking back to the behind the music of creed (laughs) like oh that was supposed to be like the good one and he's (laughs) yeah exactly uh my mom my mom's taste is like a little more aligned with mine or it was when when i was a kid anyway like she had the green day dookie cassette she had Nevermind, uh unplugged nirvana unplugged so there was that stuff which is obviously like very formative uh to like my taste in music and the music that i make now um and my mom is still like she still stays up on music and like listens to you know new stuff always wants to show me stuff it's not always stuff i like but yeah Yeah. (laughs) um it's not green day dookie you know um well what is though like truly yeah and my older brother is 10 years older than me um and played guitar played in bands 
played shows and did all that stuff. So it was like always a thing that was around and was like, I never had the thing where like you discover that it's something you can do. I mm-hmm. just always, I always just knew. Always there. Like, yeah. yeah, it was always there. And my other childhood best friend, not the one who's getting married, but we played in a band with this guy. Um, his parents were in a Shania Twain cover band. Oh my God, this is very Canadian content. Incredibly Canadian content. <laughs> Shania's from Windsor too, so. Oh, I didn't um, know that. Yeah. Um, and they would like, they would play locally and they would also like be flown out to Calgary to play the Stampede or whatever, so. Sure. Um, they had like a practice space in their house that we would practice in. They had like a little tape recording machine. You know, it was just always there. Always. Yeah. Oh man. So what was your first what was your first guitar? Or was guitar your first instrument? Guitar was not my first instrument because that friend um he played drums mm-hmm. and his brother played guitar, so obviously I had to play bass. Yeah. Um so I got a bass so we could play in a band together. His brother's name was Pat, his name was Steve. I'm Maddie, so the band was called PMS. Um <laughs> And I think maybe we like practiced twice, covered System of a Down's Toxicity, uh-huh. and maybe stay together for the kids and never did it again. <laughs> and then I was just stuck with bass. Yeah. And like, stay together for the kids was like the first song I I got the bass for Christmas. It was like an Ibanez Geo or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I I went to my brother and was like, Yo, can you teach me this song? And you know, it's got that cool like guitar melodic guitar intro thing. Mm-hmm the guitar and the verse, whatever. And I was like, damn, this is going to be bomb. I'm going to look so cool playing this. The bass in that song is two notes in the chorus. It's an F sharp and a G. <laughs> he doesn't play anything in the verses. I was like, what is this instrument? Like, what What am I doing here? So I had a bass for like, I had a bass for a year before I got a guitar, which was influenced by watching uh the second nirvana snl performance and just like seeing him play guitar i was like oh that looks that looks cooler than a bass yeah fuck <laughs> yeah he's like playing that mustang pleasing mm-hmm. so, what do yeah. they play on the second performance would that be like rape me in heart shaped box yes yeah I'm that's so the one smart yes yeah. so <laughs> that's true <laughs> So, um, when, how did, um, no hands start? Um, so how did that start? Or I guess what's the timeline there? Is that like people, you know, from high school or is that a few years removed? Like, well, Um, I guess if, is there a band in between PMS and no hands? Yes. So in high school, I played in a band, uh, called Holloway Roberts named mm-hmm. after the a character from that book house of leaves that oh, everybody yeah. was everybody was taking stuff oh from at the God. time yeah, like everybody. the circus survive song <laughs> circus survive song called house of leaves it's a Paul of troy song i think named after a different snowing song called marcy yes. danielewski yes mm-hmm. everybody's doing it so we did it too uh <laughs> and it was me. i love that book though for real like reading that book was a fucking experience yeah, flipping it around, looking uh-huh. at it sideways, uh-huh. looking at those pages with three words, and you're just burning through it. You're like, damn, I'm so <laughs> smart. I can read so fast. Um, it's definitely something. Uh, I haven't read it since 
I haven't read it since high school, so I don't know how well it holds up now, but I remember liking it at the time. Uh, but we were like, you know, we we liked that stuff. We also really loved Hot Cross, so I was doing a lot of like oh, little yeah. pull-off guitar stuff. Uh-huh. Um, and we made an EP and a full-length, and we broke up at the full-length CD release show. Fuck, uh, what happened? After we pressed a thousand copies of it. No. I still have copies of it. I have two <laughs> in a box ten, five feet away from me. Um, we had all planned to move to Toronto and one guy one guy we could tell wasn't wasn't like truly down for mm-hmm. truly down for it. And like uh the bass player was he wanted to go to a different college but was like moving to Toronto and like changing his life plan around whatever. So we had to do like a confrontation and be like, are you actually moving? And he was like, no, I'm not moving. (laughs) (laughs) So we broke up uh, with a thousand CDs. And then I moved to Toronto, went to college. And when I came back. What did you go to school for? I went to school for creative photography. So I work at a record store now. Yeah, right? (laughs) Yeah. Um, After that, I played in i kind of don't totally remember what the timeline is here but i played in a band called orphan choir for a little while that was like a a locally established band that had a record out on uh the drummer from lemuria's label art of the underground art of the underground yeah it was called Mm -hmm. yeah um and toured with them a little bit and then i think after that we started i started no hands and that was it was originally called Eraserhead which is a, also a terrible name. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you can't just, ta- you can't do that. But uh, it was me and the the guy who played bass in Holloway Roberts played guitar in that band. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who played drums was our friend Josh, who we knew because he played in like some Christian metalcore bands at the time. And there's big, Very big of the crossover time, yeah. of scenes uh-huh. here. There's not, uh-huh. you know, everybody just would play the same shows or whatever. And our friend Roy, uh, who I had known just from like going to shows or whatever in high school. And yeah, we started that band. I wasn't originally in it, but I joined like right before making the first little EP or whatever. For No Hands. And it became No Hands out. Yeah. 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 What were the common influences there? I listened to. I listened to all of No Hands a couple times. I like that band a lot. I don't know where you're at with it. (laughs) Uh, It's like a bit of a hard lesson for me now because it's so like, I didn't really know how to write a song then. Yeah. It was like really my first, kind of feels like one of my first like endeavors into it. I guess it is one of the first, but like, you know, you listen to the high school record and you can be like, Oh, this is from high school. Who cares? Whatever. But right. that I'm, I'm an adult doing that one. So it feels a little more, <laughs> a little more raw to me. Um, originally, basically the idea was that we wanted to do like, what if hot snakes was a hardcore band? Yeah. Was the initial yeah. intention. And then by the end, it veers a little more into like, what if Lungfish was more of a hardcore band? <laughs> <laughs> Reminded me a lot of that band, Room Runner. You remember that band? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that for sure, too. We also loved, like, Cursed and all the, the Chris Callahan stuff. 
mm-hmm. but I think we didn't really know how to achieve that. Who so, does though? Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> that's God tier shit. This is like really jumping ahead here, but um, I have to tell it since we're talking about curse right now. Uh, when the when restrictions lifted here and you could have shows again, mm-hmm. I didn't have a band for Pretty Maddie, but I was being asked to do stuff. So me and Sam did like a like glitterer style, like a karaoke performance, basically of the songs. Yeah. Didn't go over well. (laughs) It turns out when you make a guitar record, people really want to hear you play guitar. They don't want to see you just sing. Mm -hmm. Um, The first show we did was in a, we did three shows like that. The first one was at Edgeman screen printing in Detroit and it was pretty fun. We played with Super Crush, and I was like, maybe Hell it just yeah. felt a little weird because it's like a DIY spot. This mm-hmm. will feel better in like a big venue. And so we did it in like, we played a festival in Ottawa at like a big venue with a good sound system. And that felt even weirder and worse. <laughs> and then we had one show left in Toronto, and I was like, fuck, all right, I guess, I guess we're doing this. And a hardcore band played before us. It was one of their first shows. It was absolutely popping, packed, Mm. people going nuts, okay? We're up next. The room clears the fuck out, except for Chris Callahan, who stands right at the front, right at the front of the empty room and watches me do karaoke of the Pretty Maddie songs. Is Sam just singing sam's parts is she like is she <laughs> um, singing along to everything too sam is just singing the harmonies but is also <laughs> running the computer like djing basically and mm. i made a drop that um between songs sam would like hit a key on the on the midi keyboard and it would be like it was like a big 808 kick and then sam's voice uh pitched up sang in a british accent Pretty Matty music. (laughs) (laughs) Which was honestly fucking sick. (laughs) That is fucking so good. Oh, man. Um, So, yeah, I hope Chris liked it. (laughs) You like off mic. It's not normally like this. (laughs) I saw that Josh cassidy played drums in no hands and he also plays on heavenly sweetheart and on velveteen the pony record that's a hell of a drummer yeah he um he goes through phases of being very active in drumming Uh and he is a very good drummer like a very naturally skilled drummer so like currently his drums have been at my house since we made since we made velveteen Mm-hmm. which was the second batch of sessions for that were in like November, I think. Mm-hmm. So his drums have been here the whole time. I feel confident that if we had to make a record like today, if we had to remake Velveteen today, he could come here and just and, and play it as well as he did on the record. Yeah. So oh, he's an, an interesting wow. guy, an interesting musician, not, not like me. <laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm practicing. Yeah, I have heard that, that you're up early every day doing it. Are you oh, still on Sam, that regimen? Sam snitch on me? Um, no, you talked I, about it with uh, Jeremy, and I think oh, that you've... Oh, t- yeah. I, I don't know if Sam's told you, but I'm like a too much TV head now. 
I'm listening okay, to your podcast right. like quite yeah. a lot these days. I love that. That yeah. rocks. <laughs> um, I have recently fallen off of my practice routine. Oh, no. Because I don't really know why. I think <laughs> it's one of those things where like on the first day that I we got back from tour, I was like, I'm going to sleep in a little bit today. Yeah, and yeah. And then the next day I was like, oh, that was kind of nice. <laughs> <laughs> but this past week I got up at seven a couple times and I've been putting in the work again, just not That's as good. consistently as I was at one time. But yeah, I love it. it. Like it. If I don't do it, I'm like guaranteed to have a worse day mm -hmm. in yeah. terms of like my mental well-being. Because if I if I get up and practice and and like run through the set or whatever, like the bar like i've done enough <laughs> yeah right i'm set <laughs> the true. rest of the yeah. day can be nothing for me mm -hmm. and i am fine if yeah. i wake up and i write a little bit of a song god i'm flying You're it's set a perfect for the week. day it's yeah. a perfect day if Nothing's i got up and wrote a little bit of a way. song if i don't do any of that and then i just get up and like make coffee and look at my phone or whatever mm -hmm. the chances of of uh spiraling into mental decline are much higher yeah oh yeah yeah i had a good little run where i was i was getting home from work coming home playing the set and if i played yes. the set then i felt great but a couple yes. of those you know m most every time it's like oh this this one feels particularly good this let's do this number uh -huh. again better yeah. than it was yesterday <laughs> how about that <laughs> I got very excited looking at the No Hands uh, Discogs pages and seeing my boy Braden Craig play oh, yeah. drums on one of those. I love Braden so much. He is he is another like just naturally gifted freak drummer. Mm -hmm. Him playing on that recording, it was like um, Converse used to do this thing called Rubber Tracks. Maybe yeah, still yeah, do yeah. Where basically, like, if if you're not aware, if the listener is not aware, they would fund a recording session for a day. And in this case, they put us up in, like, a very nice studio in Toronto for a day. And uh, I, I'm, like, a recovering band dictator. Oh, I used to okay. be, like, a monster. With really? Just terrible. Um <laughs> There's been so many members of Pretty Maddie. Yeah. Like, so many. Uh, <laughs> and I re I recognize that in myself, and I, it's like a thing I've worked to correct. But mm -hmm. I digress. At the time, uh, I hit up the band group chat, and I was like, yo, we got this Rupert Tracks thing. We should go in and record some songs. But we didn't have anything written. I was like, fuck it. We'll just go get a practice space for a day, do something, and then record. And some people in the group uh, didn't feel comfortable with the prospect and we're like uh you know like i don't i don't want to record on such short notice blah blah, blah. and i was like okay sure and then i texted Braden. and was like hey do you want to come <laughs> play <laughs> do you want to come play on this record and he was like yes and mm -hmm. showed up in the practice space we wrote those songs the day before went in recorded them and he his playing he's a monster yeah, he just so went good. in and played beautifully he's so good he also played uh one pony gig i believe it was a show where we played outside under a bridge if uh -huh. i remember correctly and he slayed 
<laughs> and he did one Pretty Maddie tour as well. He's a sweetie. Um, so when when were you in Self Defense Family, or, or how did you end up joining Self Defense Family? So that would have been. I think I was still doing No Hands at the time. It might have been. It was definitely before the Rubber Tracks thing, because yeah. Chris from Self Defense mixed that. Um, I was a fan of the band. Um, I kind of jumped on after like the the Jamaica seven inch. Yeah. Um, and I like that like the more like sparse guitar era. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wasn't. I never really like got into end of a year prior to that. Like I'd never heard them. It was just that one was where I started um, and was a fan of the band and a fan I, of the idea of what if Lungfish was more of a punk band too. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, and I had been talking to the guitar player, Benny about a chorus pedal. I'd asked him about a chorus pedal and he, I think was also like maybe training for a marathon at the time or something. I had just gotten into running and was having like some knee problems. So we'd like chatted about that stuff. And, uh, I think I got the chorus pedal and sent a video of myself playing a, a self-defense riff on it. And it was like, yo, thanks for the suggestion or whatever. Uh-huh. And then I guess somebody who, uh, I think it was Kai was supposed to play bass on a big like month long tour, but there was maybe some visa issues because she lived in the UK and Benny was like, Hey, do you want to come on a month long tour? And I was just like, yeah, sure. I don't know any of you have never met any of you don't know anything about anyone in the band, but okay. So mm-hmm. I just took a train to Philly met up for a few days before, um, before the tour started. And that was it. I played, I did probably four or five tours, maybe. Like I did that one. I did a, a couple more US ones. I did a Euro tour with them yeah. and Creative Adult. Um, and I played on a, a couple of EPs that, that are out now. And then there's yeah. some unreleased stuff that I played on as well. I saw that you played on Leeds, which yes. I liked a lot. And that was yeah, recorded um, in the UK, right? Yeah, that was on that Euro tour. Yeah, nice. Yeah. What other ones did you play on? Um, the fuck, what is it? <laughs> I played on I played on Kitten Beach. Oh hell um, yeah, I love Kitten Beach. That was the first thing I ever did with them. It was like the second tour. Uh, we just recorded that like in somebody's house in Albany. Um, and I also played on per, uh, the Performative Guilt EP. Yeah, that's a good one too. I love that. That one was so fun, and like the songs came together really naturally and easily. It was like a very good session and like a really enjoyable experience. What, what was it like? What was that experience like? That's such a, I don't know. It's a creatively very intriguing band. They have a way of just like, I don't know, holding the audience. Uh. Sometimes it was really great and really fun. Like that recording session was great. Kitten Beach was cool. The Leeds one was like uh, not fun for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just like, in just way? in terms of like, 
it was always like you're going in, nothing's written, and you're just like making it work. And in that case, like I was in a, I was playing bass and I was in a separate room from the rest of them. So mm-hmm. like trying to write the bass part with no visual cue or anything <laughs> was really difficult. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, I had like heard a rumor online that my dad was dead. Oh my god. Yeah, which was crazy, but it was like unconfirmed. Uh-huh. Um, and then we so I was just there like trying to like just trying to like do the thing. Yeah. And, yeah like yeah. you know, put it put it out of mind and be like, well, you know, like uh, we'll figure out what that all is. It turns out he was just in the hospital. I think he had he had died briefly, but was fine. Oh Jesus! He's, you know he's all good. He's still yeah. he's still around. Still rocking. Still um, listening to God smack and. Yeah, but we had to like finish that recording session, and then we played a show, and we're like stuck in traffic on the way there, and I like hadn't been able to talk to anybody in my family or anything uh-huh. until like we got to the venue and I could make a phone call, and it was like all good. But it was just like a very like str- very stressful experience. Yes, and like playing in that band like create in a creative sense was very good and cool in the way that it was like, it made it very evident that like you can kind of just do whatever you want to do. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, like we have book time in a studio, show up, write the songs. Some of them would be great. Maybe one wouldn't be or whatever. And then it would just come out like, and then it's, it's done. And like, I had spent so much of my life, like, and I think a lot of people can probably relate to this where you're trying to you're trying to write a song and if it's not like hitting or it's not perfect or it's not finished, like you just never finish. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so easy to just like fall into that, like that habit of of never nothing ever being finished. And that experience definitely like beat that out of me. Yeah. Like you can like i didn't i didn't even meet pat until we were on stage playing (laughs) you know like there's no there's no there's no like set way to do it you can just do it yeah man that is fucking inspiring yeah it was very cool and everybody who plays in that band is so talented and like it was very very fun to like do that with other people who were were of the same mindset and like you know, when you're, we would do like extended versions of songs that had like jamming in it and whatever, which is not something I would have ever done before. And when it, when it hits and everything's working, which it did more often than not, mm-hmm. it was super fun and cool. And then it's like, you're doing this on stage in front of people. Like, what are you ever going to be afraid of after that? <laughs> yeah, for real. Oh man. So how do you get to the point where you're doing pretty Maddie? Um, so after, after no hands, uh we did like one last no hands tour that was like a big uh cross canada into the u.s back around thing that i think was like a month long maybe and i forget how it came to be really but like roy and i were wanting to do something a little different and wanting to wanting to have a little more flexibility with the project or whatever so and like the music that we were making was changing stylistically so we wanted to do something else so we started a new project the two of us um with the guy who was playing 
drums in No Hands on that last tour. Mm -hmm. uh, Robert Robert Johnson, who played in a band called uh, Shaman, um, and ran a Toronto label called Art of the Uncarved Block, which is why I can never remember what the Lemuria guys. <laughs> Art of the Underground, called. yeah, that's funny. Yeah, um, who put out that label? Put out a lot of really great Toronto music and are very cool. Oh yeah, um, it's a but dig. we did a new one called a new band called Lychee. Mm -hmm. that we did for a few years we put out some stuff like earlier this year and played one show um so it's not like a dead project but we yeah. both have like our own thing um but while we were doing that i lived in montreal and roy lived here in windsor so every show we played was like an eight-hour bus ride at least every time we recorded it was like you'd have to go in with time in advance and then record and like i honestly just got sick of taking the mega bus mm. i was taking the mega bus so mm. much and every single time i took it i would get sick mm. it was just terrible terrible um so i was like i'm gonna i'm just gonna try to like write music on my own and was becoming interested in like home recording and that sort of thing um and got obviously got really into guided by voices around the right. same time. So I bought a little <laughs> tape machine and you know um, what'd you get? I had a a task cam, the the classic one with the XLR inputs that's like the four track mm -hmm. one. I can't remember what it's called. I have a different one now that's like the eight track version Ooh. that I just got up and running again. Fuck but yeah. um yeah, and like doing that, I was like, "Oh, word! Like, I can just, I can just do all the stuff. I can just do it all, and it happens on my schedule, and I don't have to, you know, like nothing is at the mercy of anybody else." Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's how it happened, I guess. Just being impatient, maybe, is the answer. Being impatient and being interested in home recording. I love that. I think I like the first. EP a lot still I feel like oh, there's still you. some no hands flavor gas in the tank but like in the in the first pretty matty one yeah okay all right bit. all right oh, okay. all right <laughs> <laughs> well it's a segue to kicked out by way of divine hammer which I think is fucking awesome it's like oh thank I think you. that's where you figured it out yeah I think so I think so because that for the first pretty matty is definitely like it's a little more like garage rock and has a little bit more of a, an edge to it. I remember when I wrote Kicked Out, I think it was that one or maybe another song I wrote like right at the same time. I sent it to um, my friend Ian and he was like, oh, you're making like Mark Hoppus music now. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know like if that was supposed to be maybe like derogatory or not. But I was like, oh, word, I'm making Mark Hoppus music now. <laughs> <laughs> and just like kind of leaned into that, I guess. Like, yeah. yeah. Is that Ian, Ian Shelton? Yes. Of the it famed is. It military is. gun. You also did a, uh -huh. a collab with Ian. Ian's like got savant energy. What was it Ian like working with him? Rocks. Yeah. I, I love it. He, he also. Uh, we did a, a West Coast tour with Leechy. He played drums on that. We did an East Coast tour with Leechy. He played drums on that. He put out the Leechy seven inch. Like he was like our uh, um, he was like our Lou Pearlman at the time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like really believed in a thing we were doing, uh -huh. which was very cool. And like 
that the the um best self-defense ep whose name i've already forgotten what the one that you were on the one i was on <laughs> i looked up the name and said it um um uh, performative guilt. If it, performative guilt i had to Thank go you. through the ones that we did in order <laughs> <laughs> when we recorded that Ian was at the session, which is like how I met him. Mm -hmm. And then when we came through Seattle on the last No Hands tour, we stayed with him. And I think we we played Seattle with Seattle's New Gods, um, mm -hmm. the Ian's band prior to RJC, who were fucking sick. Um, we so we played Seattle. I think we might have had a day off, and we played Tacoma. I think so. We stayed at Ian's house for a few days, and like became homies yeah. through that experience um but yeah where was i oh yeah yeah he said that i was making mark hoppus mark music. hoppus music which i think uh, you you used to describe like your vocal melodies on one of the too much tv episodes that i listened to recently it was the one where you had the like <laughs> auto-tune thing you were talking about how uh -huh. you just can't not do a mark hoppus vocal <laughs> melody <laughs> I think he I think he is genuinely like one of the best vocal melody writers. Dude, he's so uh, good. He is so like regardless of what you think of of Blank or like plus 44 or whatever, like if that's not your thing, that's fine. But like his ability to write a catchy and satisfying vocal melody and vocal harmonies mm -hmm. is out of control. He's so good and has such like a, a wonderful quality of voice. Yeah, it's very, very sincere. Mm -hmm. Yes. Let's take the boat out on the bay, forget your job for just one day. Like, oh, come on. so come good. On. I recognize uh, Sam on Divine Hammer on the harmony. So, so uh -huh. Sam joined the band by this point. How did that? How did that happen? How? Okay, so I moved to toronto and in that moment there was a lineup of pretty maddie that was me um this guy steve sloan who played on the first full length mm -hmm. um our friend christina who was a founding member of pony and brayden um so we did a few shows with that lineup Oh, also the the first Pretty Maddie show was uh, Pretty Maddie and Regional Justice Center <laughs> in Montreal, and it was RJC's first tour. Um, but uh, we did that little tour, and Sam and I had started hanging out at that point, and Christina and Brayden both had like other things in their lives they were doing, so they were just kind of like filling in or whatever. And I think I just asked Sam to play in the band and that was it. And like the, at that point, who, God, I don't even remember who else was playing in the band at the time, but somebody had left Pony. Our friend Eva left Pony. She was mm -hmm. playing bass and Sam was like, oh, well, you fill in on bass and Pony. So I did that. And then the Pony and Pretty Maddie lineups just merged into one for a while um prior to like tv baby coming out so yeah i don't know it just happened like kind of naturally we both needed people in the band 
in that moment and it just like worked had you gotten over your dictatorial uh, no (laughs) no that's like the peak of it the peak of it is like the first year of of pretty maddie like doing pretty maddie pretty seriously yeah um we're like touring and making the record and stuff and it's like i understand now a little better that like it's hard it's hard to find people who are going to care about the thing that you're doing as much as you do Mm -hmm. um and i was definitely just like squeezing everybody a little too tight like about about performances about uh being able to tour about not texting me back fast (laughs) enough just like major major lunatic behavior Mm -hmm. um and we did a couple of tours that were like i think probably pretty miserable for that reason we listened on the second tour that we did which i think was maybe the last tour for that specific crew because drummer no guitar player steve left drummer lucas did one more tour Mm -hmm. and then left um we listened to the audiobook of Get in the Van. Uh-huh. No, the, no, no, no. The audiobook of uh Our Band Could Be Your Life. Our Band Could Be Your Life, yes. Mm-hmm. Um and we got to the Dinosaur Junior section and I <laughs> found myself relating a little too much to Jay and I was like you don't want to relate to Jay <laughs> in this. Like that's not good. Um and that I think that was honestly like my first like little realization that I had I'd become lost in the oh, sauce. Oh man. Um I actually just reread that because my first few work weeks of work they like didn't give me anything to do, so I just read a <laughs> couple books and uh-huh. man, just like the cutting shit that Jay still says, <laughs> still has to say. And the crazy part about that is like that they are reunited, but the dynamic doesn't seem to be improved at all. No, no, not at, at all. all. Not at, at all. all. <laughs> you watch interviews and like Lou says something and Jay is rolling his eyes at him. It's like so brutal. So brutal. Yeah, I remember Lou's Marin interview, like something that Jay said, like got brought up and Lou was like agitated, like, oh man, that stuff still gets under my skin so bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny though you found yourself in like in jay like who's i found myself yeah. in jay world uh-huh um <laughs> at least you not... greg ginn yeah you could yeah <laughs> greg ginn is definitely worse <laughs> definitely farther farther <laughs> down the path um yeah that that was a tough couple of tours man that's for sure. so fucking and funny. then like we did one one final tour right before the pandemic uh that was pony and pretty maddie together which is a thing we were doing at the time which is like so crazy and confusing and weird like Mm -hmm. we would finish playing and then the same four people would play Uh in a slightly different configuration and like promoters would pay us for one set (laughs) it it was like always always weird not good i was Um, thinking like why don't you do that you'll get paid for two sets and then no, of course you No, wouldn't. it doesn't yeah. really work like that. It doesn't really work like that. Uh, but the last tour we did before before lockdown, um, our friend Christian had had tagged in to play bass and pony and guitar and pretty Maddie. And then we had, you know, obviously we had to cancel the tour a few dates in, whatever. But 
over the course of the pandemic, we I made a new Pretty Maddie record, um, which is Heavenly Sweetheart, the one that just came out. Uh, and Christian played guitar on that and mixed it. Um, and then when when it came time to tour again, it was kind of like, who else are we going to... Like, obviously, we're going to ask him to do it. He's somebody I've been friends with for 10-plus years. Mm-hmm. The, probably the person I text the most in my life, unrelentingly. <laughs> um, so he joined Pony, and we needed a drummer, so... We hit him up, and he he tour manages Iron Sheik. Uh, oh, okay. And so the drummer from Iron Sheik, Dan, uh, he recruited him to play in Pony. And oh, beautiful. Yeah. And now I'm uh, I've taken time and sat with myself <laughs> and uh, <laughs> figured out my little my little control freak demons. Yeah. And I think I've been very successful in in beating that that's I've beat, great i've beat the control freak charges i yeah. think <laughs> well, you'd have to ask be... someone you'd have to ask someone else in the band for confirmation of that but i think i beat the control freak charges. i don't know if you listen to sam's interview but she spent a lot of time talking shit about how much of a control <laughs> freak you are <laughs> she was like you think it would be worse in pretty maddie but it's worse in pony <laughs> Um, yeah, you were on tour when, co- like, the COVID lockdown was starting, right? And that's and you come back and then you end up doing yeah, so, too much TV, right? Yeah, so we had um, we had a tour booked to South by Southwest where Pony was supposed to play. Um, I think we did as it was starting. I we were like the day before we left, my boss was like are you sure you want to do this? Like it's, it's getting pretty crazy. And I was like, listen, man, like what's going to happen? Like, I'm still going to have to go to work. I'm still going to have to ride the bus. Like what? I'm just not going to do this, but I'm going to have to do the rest of my bullshit life. Mm-hmm. Like whatever, you know, like there, there's no chance they're going to shut everything down. We're just going to have, this is just life now. We're just going to have to live like this. And so <laughs> we went out and played like we did Detroit uh and then a couple of the ohio sea cities that i (laughs) it's really hard for me to to remember which ones um and it was also the the release of a split that we did with sad baxter from nashville Mm -hmm. um so we had a release show and everything um and we were the day we were we were in ohio at an at a whole foods eating from the hot bar raw dogging it just sitting in the food court whatever Mm -hmm. and our roommate called us and was like you guys have to come home like (laughs) everything's shutting down the grocery stores are empty and i was like what are you talking about (laughs) i'm at the grocery store right now i'm eating delightful food from the hot bar (laughs) and then uh it like from that point on it became more and more apparent that it was like a thing yeah and so we canceled the tour and came home and all the things that I thought they would never do because life is ass and the world is ass <laughs> and working people get ground down into shit mm-hmm. constantly. Uh, they did the thing and shut everything down. So I was like, oh, word. Like, I guess I called that wrong. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, like, 
I kind of didn't see how music could possibly come back. Like, I had that feeling I, too. I was like, what the fuck now? I fully mourned the loss of music as we know it now. Mm-hmm. Like as we knew it then. I was like, we're never going to play a live show again. Like thousands of people are dying every day. Like there's no, this is my life now. I was convinced that it was like, that's it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I'm, I'm going to be at home for the rest of my life. So I was trying to think we were, we were both trying to think of like, how can we continue to do music in a way that doesn't require all the shit that it required before? Um, and still be able to like engage with people and do this, you know, do the shit that we like to do basically. So we started the too much TV podcast, which was like, the idea is that we, we were going through a list of the best TV episodes of the century, watching an episode. We would each write and record a song about that episode of TV. And then we would talk to a guest. So it was like, um, a public facing thing, like something people could, could engage with and listen to. It was an opportunity for us to both write music, to like learn about home recording, to do shit. And it was us talking to people. So it's like hitting all the boxes of like, how do I not, how do I not go nuts Mm -hmm. stuck at home? Cause like, I don't, where do you live? I live in Valparaiso, Indiana. Close to Chicago. I was living in Chicago during the pandemic. Gotcha. Um, I don't know like how severely locked down things were in the U.S., but like we were quite locked down. I didn't leave my house for two years. Mm. Like I didn't see my I didn't see anyone. I didn't see my family. We weren't seeing our roommate who lived in the house with us because she she worked in. Uh, she was a, um, what the hell is it called? I think I'm, I think my brain is deteriorating. <laughs> she's a, she's a personal support worker. Uh huh. She's a personal support worker. So she was having to like, you know, she's around vulnerable people and also having to like be out in the world. So I, we weren't seeing each other. Like we were locked down for yeah. a long time. Um, and that was like kind of our outlet and, it feels like such such a crazy blessing to have like come up with that idea and done it and followed through with it because I think I'm sure Sam would say the same thing. Like I'm so much better at writing music now. I have way more of an understanding of like record, like before like doing mix notes on a record or something. Yeah. I, what are you going to do? I have no clue. I had no uh-huh. clue. Uh-huh. No it's clue. like unless like, you can't studio, hear something, like what are you gonna yeah. say? You're just like fully at the mercy of it's like going to the mechanic, basically. You yeah. know what I mean? Like they could tell you anything. Uh-huh. Um and like I feel like I I it was such a wonderful opportunity to learn so much and work and just like pursue a creative outlet without it being tied to um financial outcomes, without it being tied to like Who's going to come see us? How many people are listening to this? How many people are blah, blah, blah. It was just like, just, it, it was basically like songwriting boot camp. Yeah. And also socializing boot camp because <laughs> we were like talking to, talking to strangers every week, mm-hmm. which has been so like, it, 
it feels so easy to do all that stuff now. Yeah. Like to, to like doing, doing the press for the pony record was like, yeah, we'll do a podcast with someone I've never met before. Of course. Like (laughs) I've done that 10 million times now. Who cares? It's so funny. (laughs) It's been so cool to like, listen to, and I'm working my way from like most recently backwards. So I'm, I guess I'm getting a lot of the, um, you know, the things that you've learned along the way um, uh-huh. are really just like prominent in the way that you're talking about writing songs, but like to just hear the songs are going to suck so bad. Exactly. Like, like these, these, <laughs> well, the idea of like writing like bad songs or finishing songs mm-hmm. really is like, yeah. I don't know. There's just so much that I can just hear from what, you talk about like how much you've mm-hmm. learned it's like just very enlightening and very inspiring oh thank you i think that like kind of the the coolest part about it is like people who've hit us up and be like like been like listening to your podcast like encouraged me to make this ep or whatever mm-hmm. or like pursue doing a band for the first time like that is the coolest shit to me because so much of of writing music is like it's pretty murky, you know, like a lot of people were, a lot of people portray it as like kind of, um, a magic trick Mm -hmm. is the thing I usually say. Like, it's like some genius sat down and the music just flowed out of them. Right. You know, Bob Dylan wrote this perfect song. It's like, everybody writes dog shit songs. (laughs) Everybody flops and writes music that they don't want anyone to hear. And that's fine. Because that's how you get to the next one. Yeah. But it's like, I spent so long, like, if I sat down and tried to write a song and it didn't hit right away, I was like, I'm yeah, a fucking gonna, loser. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm a joke. You know, <laughs> like, I just like, I, I have a tendency to be like, pretty uh, self-hating at times. And that, that was like, really my shit. Like, I, if I didn't, if, if I tried to write a song, and it sucked. It was like, I'm. I am is a reflection of me. Right. I'm a loser yeah. because I, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. really, really hard on myself about it for so long. And now it's like, if I sit down and write a bad song, it's, I don't know. It's funny. Yeah. <laughs> or, or like, <laughs> it's, or like at best, you know, later I'll sit down and be like, Oh, I liked that part of it. Yeah. And then you can take that part of it. And, and there was also so many times where like when I was in the depth of writing a song, it was like, I didn't want to be writing a song that day. The time, you know, the, the deadline was really tight. We were really, really strict with it. And I, I would come home and be like, I, this song fucking sucks, but it's done and whatever. And then I'd listen to it the next day and be like, Oh yeah, never mind. Yeah. Right. Just absolutely tortured. It's like, even if a song has like a cool part, you're stoked on it when you hear it. Yeah. No, I love it. It's like, it's also, it's something that's kind of changed. I think the way that I like listen to songs in preparation for talking to them about is I'm, I'm a little bit less with, with your music, with Sam's little less inclined to be like, Oh, what part of like your real life did that come from? It's, I think it's been, I'm, I'm, you've exposed kind of the, well, this is like, you're trying to write something. You're trying to create Mm -hmm. something as opposed to like, I have to write a song about this feeling 
or yeah, have I have to dredge up you know, like memories to there are definitely people yeah. who do that mm-hmm. and that and that that works for them but there's tons that don't and i would say that like the majority of like the majority of music that does very well that makes money that's huge it's <laughs> not about anything that's like some some 50 year old man in a room in nashville banged that out in 10 minutes yeah or shania <laughs> because, twain's because... husband <laughs> oh god yeah <laughs> because it's like you know, when when you're sitting down and doing the work, it you're more likely to make a song. You're just more likely to yeah. do it if you're doing it, which sounds so dumb and simplistic. But like, it's like, it's really like being like, I don't know, like being a runner. Like, if you want to, if you want to run a marathon, you're more likely to succeed at it if you've been running every day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then when it comes, when you sit down to do the thing you're going to do it. So I asked Sam this question. Um, did any of the songs on Heavenly Sweetheart come from Too Much TV? Yes. Uh, a couple of my favorites from the record actually did. Um, Changed My Number. Hell yeah. I love is, that track. I think that's my favorite from the record. Uh, definitely feels like my most Mark Hoppus moment on the record uh-huh. too. I think. <laughs> um, but that's about an episode of Laguna Beach. Hell yeah! Which is so dumb. <laughs> Super <laughs> but, dumb, but great. But that one was like one type of song that I found myself writing for the pod, where it's like, what makes it work or what makes it like feel good to me is that you're able to see something from your life in someone else's story. Mm-hmm. Um, and that one came really quickly because it was like watching a story of like a toxic relationship and just being like, Oh word. Like I've been that person. Yeah. I know what that feels like. And so it just came together like pretty easily. Uh, and the other one, which is a very different sort of song that's like extremely narrative to the episode, which is not a thing I really did very often is uh, after the tone. Hell yeah. Which is about um, the Pine Barrens episode of Sopranos. Oh. Specifically, it's about Meadows' story in that episode, which is like calling that, Jackie. that guy yeah. over and over again. Mm-hmm. Jackie, yeah. Uh, and the bridge where it's like uh, four-letter words are all you got. It's like them playing Scrabble in the episode, oh and he's bad <laughs> at it. ass. <laughs> <laughs> I love that song, too. I love the way the guitars sound on it. Oh, thank you. Fuck yeah. And the the um the voicemail intro thing is uh the rapper Fat Tony who was the guest on that episode. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So that's a nice little like full circle moment for the pod. Um so who recorded Heavenly Sweetheart? Heavenly Sweetheart was recorded here in Windsor. Uh by an engineer named Josh Kaiser, who plays in a band called Psychic Void, who are really oh, I great, like that band. really yeah. cool. They're awesome. Um, so we recorded at his home studio. We did like my guitar, uh, Sam played bass and sang, Josh played drums. And then I sent that all to Christian, who lives in Brooklyn. And he Christian recorded Beale. Guitar, mm-hmm. Christian Beale recorded guitar there uh, at a studio. And it took a long time for him to record guitar there because he kept getting bumped by Shaggy. <laughs> Shaggy was working out of the same studio. 
and he got bumped a couple times and he'd be like, ah, I couldn't, wasn't able to, wasn't able to get in there today. Shaggy's doing work. It wasn't me. He's going to record it wasn't me again. I think Shaggy actually has a lot of records. Really? I'm pretty sure I looked into it at the time and he's like, I think he's just been steady working. I have oh to turn a light God. on. I'm in the absolute <laughs> darkness right now. But yeah, um, so Christian recorded his parts in Brooklyn and then mixed it there. And it was also like Christian had never mixed a record before. Mm-hmm. And he and I both have some kind of like we definitely ate the same brand of lead paint chips as a child <laughs> and both think that we can do anything. So I was like, Christian, what if you mix the record? And he was like, yeah, I'll mix the record. <laughs> and we both definitely like throughout the process had points where we were like, can we do this? <laughs> like, Can we pull this off? And then it came together and I think it sounds really cool. Dude, and, it like, does sound it, great. Yeah. It feels great that it's something that like we were able to do together and like an experience that we got to share yeah. making the record. It's so cool. Um, last time, last time Christian was out here, uh, light switch broke in our bedroom and he and I were like, we can replace this. <laughs> <laughs> Did electrical work on my home. <laughs> oh my God. Um, yeah, man, it's a great record. Like every Thank song you. could be a single for real. Thank you so much. I honestly was like, I was very tortured about this record um, because we recorded it. I think we recorded it in 2021, maybe. Yeah. So I was sitting with it for a long time and sitting with those songs for a long time and like not being able to put anything out, not having like a clear deadline, not knowing if anything, like if we'd ever be able to play shows again, like the whole thing. I was like, you know, I would listen to the songs and be like, this is terrible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like just really, really, really tortured about it. Definitely tortured Sam about it by like being at home, being like, I'm going to sell all my gear. I'm out. <laughs> I'm not doing this anymore. It's a joke. I can't, you know, whatever. And then like a few days later, I'd be like, you know what? I think the, I think the record's actually pretty good. <laughs> you know, like I've been I've been through every single wave of feelings with this record Mm -hmm. and it it feels very good for it to just be out and to be like thinking about what comes after it but i also i feel i feel good about it now finally like the finality of it being out maybe getting some some feedback from people who aren't in the band or whatever Mm -hmm. like it's felt good for it to just be done yeah and i'm i'm excited about it again you know you got Josh to put it out for you on self-aware records. Josh is a good boy. Yep. That's right. That's right. Have you Josh done his Rocks. podcast? Uh yeah, we both did his podcast. Nice. Um he had me talk about the blue album and was trying to trying to get me in a gotcha moment about <laughs> Rivers Cuomo being problematic or something. But I didn't <laughs> let it happen. That's so sweet because he he didn't catch me in a single gotcha moment because I was <laughs> I don't think up he normally him. does that. I was riding high on Adderall talking about how Bob Dylan's John Wesley Harding was mostly about the Kennedy assassination and he just <laughs> sat there kindly for it. <laughs> I think I think eventually our podcast had the same tone. Yeah, because I I was. Deep into Weezer lore <laughs> in that moment. Um, 
All right. Well, it's it's been very exciting. Like, but been listening to not only your band, Pony, and Too Much TV podcast. You've been in my ears a lot the past few weeks, so it was great having well, you. Well, thank on. you so much for checking it out. I appreciate that. Yeah, it means a lot to me for real. Mm-hmm. It means a lot to me that anybody fucks with any of the stuff I'm doing. I'm not saying that in like a weird pandering. No, I know the <laughs> feeling. Really I do know the feeling. Thanks so much for coming on. Thank you for having me.